It's the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the AmeriChicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson and uh, wishing you a fabulous Tuesday. Hope you had a great Labor Day. Steve, did you have a good Labor Day? Exhausting. (laughs) I labored on Labor Day myself. I actually was flying yesterday and ended up at an airport and got about four hours of work done. It was awesome. That's why they call it Labor Day. You're supposed to work on Labor Day, right? Well, my hat's off to you because you bounce in here with such energy and you, hey, happy Tuesday. <laughs> hey, y'all, I would have been sitting, oh, it's Monday. You know, so. <laughs> well, and, and I can't believe, so officially summer's just about over. We're headed into fall and I love autumn in Colorado. It's absolutely beautiful. So let's jump in, uh, into the show today. Really a terrific show. Uh, segments uh, one and two, we'll talk about some headlines. Segments three and four. This is uh, the balance of the week is kind of KLZ uh, talk show host week. Today is going we're going to be talking with Stanley Thorne, and he has a show on in the afternoon. It's uh, he's the host of Doctor Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show. He's an attorney, and uh, we'll talk about these red flag laws, and uh, they're getting worse and worse. And in fact, Greg Morrissey, one of my fellow Liberty Toastmasters, sent me a link, Steve, that Longmont. Just up the road here, not very far. In fact, that when I first moved to Colorado, that's the first place I lived was Longmont. They are um, city council wants to register all their gun owners and mandate smart tech gun locks. So that's going to work out pretty well when somebody uh, uh, happens to break into your house. That you just hold on just a minute. I, I hold, hold on just a minute. I got to unlock my gun. Can you believe it? Unfortunately, I can believe it because yeah. we grabbed another incident in Texas over the weekend, and we're just. Grabbing at straws and still can't come to grips with what, you know, it's like we can actually somehow control evil. We, we just don't. That's the piece of it we just don't get. And you don't control evil by having law-abiding citizens have to register their, their um, firearms and, and then mandate start, smart tech con- uh, Even on, on that bastion of <laughs> good news, ABC News, the guy was pondering this morning, that the individual in Texas was already deemed mentally unstable, and he should not have had a weapon. But he did. Yeah. So the law... Right. So the bad guys are going get, to get weapons if they want, want them. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump into everything here, though. Remember, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom, socialism is force. So right here, up here in Longmont, Colorado, what they're considering doing is using force to actually force people to register, law-abiding citizens to register the fact that they own a firearm and they want to force uh, everyone to have a smart tech gun lock. And so, again, uh, we're freedom people. So it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And liberty, which is what American was founded on, is the responsible exercise of freedom. And it's never compassionate to take other people's rights Hey, Longmont City Council, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon policy or unpredictable and excessive taxation. Add to that the 
whatever you want to call it that we have uncovered, whatever you want to call my theory, that government has to be seen as doing something. But it goes right to Stephen Kessler's question. You feel good, but did you do good? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I opened up my uh, bag, I traveled this weekend. When I opened up my bag, it had the little TSA note in there that they'd gone through my luggage. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I think it's all a, a bit of a, um, you know, putting that in there to make people think that they're actually, you know, looking for uh, bad guys doing bad things. And you know what? Uh, until you have, um, I'm not going to give my age, but, you know, somebody of, of my demographic uh, getting on planes and uh, doing naughty things. I think that actually, I think profiling is probably a better idea than spending all this money to go through people's law-abiding citizens' luggage to, uh, you know, with the red flag laws, people uh, they can go through people's houses. I mean, we're in a really crazy time here, my friends. But let's let's do a little bit of our fun housekeeping stuff that we do. Uh, remember that... Um, when we look at these issues, we are seeing the socialization here of the Second Amendment, uh, transportation, education, energy, housing, and water, and we want to continue to move to liberty in all of these things, which is the responsible exercise of freedom regarding all of these things. And Steve, thank you. It's, uh, you know, you are, uh, you are a treasure. I appreciate you keeping this train on the road. We, we have a lot of things going on, and I greatly appreciate you. That's awful strong language. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for your support and your good work. And you listeners, thank you for listening. Each of you, you're you're valued, you're treasured, you have a purpose. And each day, I've thought a lot about this, Steve, is we need to do our best to do something to improve, strive for excellence in in ourselves, our heart, soul, mind, and body. And uh, jumping in here, since we're going to be talking about the Second Amendment, with Stanley Thorne, I thought, well, how about um, Charlton Heston? There's got to be some good quotes there. And uh, you know what I did is I actually have the quote. Mm-hmm. I, use, I, I have the quote that I had at the end of the show, and I put it at the beginning of the show. So I guess we'll jump on past that. I'll, I'll get another Charlton Heston quote for you at some other point in time here. So here's our joke. Are you ready? The new CEO... Feeling it was time to shake up his company, the new CEO decided to get rid of all the slackers. On a tour of the facilities, the CEO noticed a guy leaning on a wall. The room was full of workers, and he wanted to let them know that he meant business. So he walked up to the guy leaning against the wall and asked, how much money do you make a week? A little surprised, the young man looked at him and replied, well, I I make $400 a week. Why? The CEO then handed the guy $1,600 in cash and yelled at him, here's four weeks' pay, now get out and don't come back. So feeling pretty good about himself, the CEO looked around the room and asked, does anyone want to tell me what that slacker did here? From across the room came a voice that said, that was the pizza delivery guy from Domino's. You're smiling. I like that one. Yes. I, you know, I, I go get a little preview every morning. It's like, now this is good. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I found my quote. Here we go. Charlton Heston. You're going to like this too. Ready, Steve? Political oh. correctness is just tyranny with manners. I wish for you the courage to be unpopular. Popularity is history's pocket change. Courage is history's true currency. I thought that's a pretty good one. He was a smart guy. Yeah. Not just a great actor, but he was just genuinely a good Joe. Yeah. Okay. First thing, 
let's talk about this. You know, Patty, when she does all the research, she goes, one of the things she does is she goes to Complete Colorado and looks at the headlines. Complete Colorado is an aggregator. It'll aggregate news from all over the state and uh, and it'll uh, link you to that. And, and so it's a great place to go just to get all the news really quickly. And then at the top at the banner, uh, if you click on that banner, it will take you to uh, original pieces uh, that have been done. So a lot of this is coming from Complete Colorado, uh, from the aggregate uh, component, and from coloradocommunitymedia.com. That's the little newspaper, you know, that ends up on our, our driveways. That's that particular paper. Uh, they said the C-470 construction is far behind schedule. The C-470 express lanes project, which will add two tolled express lanes along the busy highway, was supposed to be done this summer. Now, I've heard it from a good authority that uh, this is something that's not been publicized, but in fact, they've been putting posts into this, uh, this 12-mile stretch for uh, self-driving cars. Uh, but nobody has really mentioned that. I haven't seen that in any of the news articles. Did you realize that, Steve? No, I did not. Uh, I was kind of happy to see this in the in our feed from Patty this morning because this is. I mean, I've been watching this. I have a front row seat, and you, as do you. I've been watching this project for the well since it started, and just had this notion: this thing cannot be on schedule. Well, and, and you know, this is quote unquote a public-private partnership. And uh, what I'm starting to see, Steve, is with the public-private partnership is when things go wrong, they blame the, the uh, private partners, uh, per se. But I'm also wondering if somehow, I mean, I, some, something doesn't smell right to me on this because they should be working together and, uh, they shouldn't, and C, uh, CDOT should not be that surprised that it's behind schedule. I mean, all of a sudden you just figured it out? You are the managing authority. Exactly. And I couple this, not to change the subject on you, but I couple this with the latest fiasco on the you know, on 36 out to Boulder. The work that was being done there in the last two to three years to create, you know, almost kind of the same situation. And now the situation at Wadsworth. Nobody knew that. Nobody could see it coming. I, I don't get it. But when you have the pub- public-private partnership, then you can blame the partner, the private partner. However, I think that uh, there may be some, uh, I mean, there's got to be communication between the two. So anyway, let's give you the details on this. The C-470 Express Lanes Project, which will add two tolled express lanes along the busy highway. And once again, uh, they are making it more expensive to drive. I did just notice out at DIA they're going to be increasing parking for both the economy and the garage. Uh, so once again, trying to uh, push people out of their vehicles, and then they want to, you know, get people onto the train. That uh, although arriving at, you know, late in the evening, the last thing I want to do is ride a train from the airport. But anyway, I digress. So, the Colorado Department of Transportation, however, recently placed the project's contractor in default after what it calls repeated delays, misleading timelines, and insufficient resources to finish the work on time. Steve. I mean, come on. CDOT should have been on that, right? Again, you are the managing entity. Yeah. At this point, CDOT says the work could stretch into next summer. The $276 million project, which kicked off in 2016, is about 83% complete. Uh, The project includes adding toll lanes to the highway between I-25 and Wadsworth. And and once again, I'm, I'm not a real fan of these toll lanes as well. 
you know, um, because we pay gas tax. They've been shaving money out of the gas tax money for transit and for, <clears throat> for um, bike lanes and all those kinds of things. But then <clears throat> when you want to ride your, drive your car, you're going to have to pay. I, I think there's something just uh, there's just something mildly wrong with that. And it said that CDOT uh, formally notified the contractor, which is a joint entity made of, of Flatiron Construction and AECOM, is called FA, that it was in breach of contract in a letter to pro- and the project manager on August 2nd. It says FA failed to inform CDOT of, pre- of repeated delays in a timely fashion uh, and misled officials about the project's progress. Um, and then people from FA said they would respond with a statement but had not done so by August 29th. Misled? Mm-hmm. Does that suggest, <laughs> I hate to even use the word, some kind of conspiracy to mislead? Or, I mean, how do you mislead without intention? Well, and see, I'm not, I, once again, I think that they may be trying to have the private entity be the fall guy. So anyway, local officials said they're thankful CDOT is stepping up to address problems. The delays are disappointing, said Littleton Mayor Debbie Brinkman. This is really painful for the whole south side of the metro area. The construction is pushing the traffic onto surface streets. It's causing congestion everywhere. We've been tolerating this with the expectation it will end soon. And the longer it goes on, the more painful it is. And Steve, once again, one of the ways that we can reduce congestion is by uh, CDOT getting their projects done in, in, in a timely fashion. Work 24-7, incentivized to make sure that you get that done. Uh, work at night so that there's not as much congestion uh, uh, during the day. You know, do everything that you can to get that project done as fast as possible. But instead, they're delaying this uh, significantly. Well, and they have been working at night. Certainly, I see it every morning. How many times did they force me off to go south on 25 instead of north? So I had to go down the Lincoln and turn around and come back. You know, with because I got on to Quebec, there was no notice. You know, I didn't see any verbiage that told me, you know, to expect this. But anyway, yeah, you know, they are working at night. But did they maybe oversell right up front? And, and, their, and their construction schedule maybe was still not realistic. I don't know. There's a multitude of things that go bad here, but you or can go bad. But I go back to the managing entity. What are are you? Well, and how do you manage? And and you know the other thing that's going to be happening is we see this assault on Tabor, the taxpayers' bill of rights, and there's going to be prop, uh, Proposition CC on this particular ballot in 2019, and that is basically to, they're going to ask us if they can keep our our tax refunds above giving them a very generous. Uh, growth of population plus inflation. They want to keep everything above that uh, forever. And the answer should be no, because they say that they're going to put it into transportation and education. Well, CDOT just spent millions of dollars for a new headquarters down by Mile High Stadium. Uh, Patty had found uh, that uh, a recent audit by the state auditor says that CDOT has money that they can't, they can't account for. Or have, there's money that they... Um, cannot account for that had been allocated to them here we see a project that all of a sudden uh they figured out that it's behind behind uh schedule and it's probably going to cost more and so until we get those kinds of things figured out my friends i think that the answer should be no when uh these politicians bureaucrats and interested parties these pbis are coming to us and saying we want to keep more of your money. We don't want to have to ask you if we're going to raise taxes, incur debt, or keep your refunds. 
And Steve, you continue to say this. And and Tabor, one of the beauties of Tabor is there's so much. It, it requires transparency. I, I'm not. I, I I still think that we could have a more transparent government. But my my gosh, if we give up on on Tabor, they're off to the races on this. Well, the viewpoint is 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 simply this in terms of transparency and the pushback to it, uh, Tabor, and the attempt to shut it down is. It forces them to a level of transparency they cannot attain. And they don't want to even try. Nor do they want to, yes. Yes. So, hey, let's go to break. When we come back, let's go through some more headlines. And then in segments three and four, we'll talk with doctors, <laughs> with Stanley Thorne, attorney Stanley, Stanley Thorne. He is the host of Dr. Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show right here on KLZ 560. We'll be right back. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Big job. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Steve, I'd like to have a conversation about a headline here. Uh, You know, I'm a Kansas girl. I attended one semester at the University of Kansas. Uh, I did pay for one college education at the University of Kansas, and uh, I can't believe this. A few Kansas University faculty members are not fans of allowing Chick-fil-A to be served on campus because they believe the chain violates safety and inclusion. The faculty council, filled with extreme frustration, wants America's favorite restaurant removed from campus for being a bastion of bigotry after KU administrators relocated a Chick-fil-A from a basement to prime real estate on campus to the Memorial Union. But worse yet to the council is the Chick-fil-A coin toss at the start of the Jayhawks football home games. The culture of Chick-fil-A fosters hate and discrimination on multiple levels. The Sexuality and Gender Diversity Faculty and Staff Council wrote in a two-page letter accusing university leaders of being more concerned about money and corporate sponsorship than the physical, emotional, and mental well-being of marginalized and LGBTQ people. While the fast food chain is celebrated for its exceptional customer service, it has come under fire several times after its president and CEO, Dan Cathy, publicly supported traditional marriage in 2012 
And opponents have accused Chick-fil-A of being anti-LGBTQ for its charitable giving to the Family Research Council and Salvation Army, to name a few. The faculty group added the arrival of Chick-fil-A in this building is insulting, counterproductive, and unacceptable. In response, the college Republicans on campus started a petition for students, alumni, and concerned citizens to send to Chancellor Doug Giraud. Uh, tell our university administration that our community wants Chick-fil-A on this campus, the conservative group wrote. We, you know, all you have to do is just see how many people go in and buy Chick-fil-A. And quite frankly, if, if in fact, and, and this goes to, uh, well, it goes to city councils. It goes to government using force. They want to use force to stop this business from coming in to, uh, to KU because they don't like it. And when we talk about socialism is force, we want to have a free market. If, in fact, people don't want to go to the Chick-fil-A at the Memorial Union at KU, they don't have to. But just because you don't like something about them doesn't mean that you should try to put them out of business. You should not use government to try to put them out of business. Let them compete in the free market to whether or not that they will um, win or lose, uh, you know, by how they treat their customers and the food they serve, Steve. You know, last week I I, I maybe cautioned you to say we need to be careful about because we're always saying freedom versus force. We need to illustrate maybe a little bit cleaner, uh, more clearly what this force look is like because of somebody standing out there, they're just uh, stationed surfing and they come across our broadcast and say, well, nobody's forcing me to do anything. Watch this. Look at this. Here is a prime example of what this force looks like. It's subtle. And, but it is exactly what they're doing. They're trying to exert some kind of phony baloney leverage against Chick-fil-A and uh, Lord help us. That's, Hope they, they're not successful so far, so good. Well, we need to be electing people that when they raise their hand and say that they're going to uphold the Constitution, and this is everywhere from your city council people all the way up to the President of the United States. First of all, I think that people need to understand what the Constitution says. So we have two examples, uh, to your point, to bring me back to force. Up here in Longmont... Uh, and I think it's tonight. They're going to be, I think, possibly voting on this. They want to uh, register gun owners. So they want to force gun owners to to be in a registry. I mean, the next step is, is you have these, you know, these, um, you know, these city council people that don't like the fact that people have firearms. Then they know everybody who has them. You get the knock on the door and you'll have uh, law enforcement uh, asking for your uh, firearms. And that goes directly against the Second Amendment. And uh, then also mandate, whenever you hear the word mandate, that's force the people in Longmont to have smart tech gun locks. Um, So there's force all over this thing. Here at uh, KU, uh, again, some of this faculty, and you know what, we need to get rid of tenure. I tell you, these, these faculty members that have gotten tenure, they, a lot of them don't even teach that many classes. And here, I mean, honestly, uh, they are trying to then force, to forcibly take away the choices of how, what students can eat and cannot eat. And you know what? That is not their role. Can I translate the word tenure to being also untouchable in a, in a sense? That, yep. Yeah. And you know what, Steve, when I say that we are the other side is playing long ball, this radical progressivism that has been going on for quite some time. I remember when I heard about tenure and it's like you can't get fired. Well, what if you don't do a good job? What what if what if you're teaching things that, 
you know, are antithetical to, you know, what, what uh, you know, like parents may be wanting their kids to learn. You know, how did that be- become, and you're absolutely right, it's untouchable. You and I don't have tenure. Every day we're out there, you know, busting our chops to make sure that uh, we're uh, working to pro- provide a good product that people want. And um, we have no tenure. And so I think that we need to start to get rid of tenure because um, – you have these faculty members here at the University of, of Kansas that are uh, uh, whining that they don't want to have Chick-fil-A on, on campus. They want to take away, via force, uh, the kids' choices on what they can and cannot eat. It's, abs- it's astonishing to me. Um, just one other quick thing before we get to Jason is um, I want to let you know if this is in... Is, oh, it's in Utah. Uh, kids are ordered to pay sales tax. There's a children's expo where kids were um, learning entrepreneurship, and they were actually creating a pro- uh, project or product and selling it. And uh, it's for four hours. It's a great project. And now there's the city in Utah is saying that they have to pay sales tax. We're going to come back and visit that probably later on this week as well. Let's jump over here to... <laughs> Jason, do you know what Steve put on the screen? He put, no, I don't know. He put untouchable, Jason. Oh. <laughs> well, I told him I didn't have tenure, you know, that you guys could fire me, and that once in a while I actually contributed something, which also goes against it. <laughs> yeah, none of us have tenure. I, I've When I first heard about tenure, I was uncomfortable with that. You know, um, I think that we need to make sure that people are, um, compete and do a good job and uh, so, anyway, I can't believe this thing going on over at KU. So, how was your weekend? Oh, well, it, uh, I tried to do as little labor as possible with uh, limited success at that plan. <laughs> well, we're back in the saddle now, and we're headed towards autumn. And so, uh, I kind of haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to the news over the weekend. Uh, tariff, is stuff still going on with the tariff war? Yeah, well, let's go through it real quick. Uh, we got 15% new tariffs on about $110 billion of uh, imports coming in from China. Uh, a lot of them are consumer goods like the Apple Watch, Apple AirPods. Uh, you know, Beijing came back with their own tariffs. Now, Trump's saying on October 1st, uh, tariffs that are now 25% on $250 billion will go to 30%. And in mid-December, another 15% tariff is going to kick in on a lot of uh, electronics coming in from China. Merry Christmas there. Uh, Now, Kim, I don't want your head to explode, but China plans to uh, reimpose 25% tariffs on American-made cars. So that would be like on three cars total that go into China every year. (laughs) But they're going to exempt Tesla. Now, I knew that would get oh. you just uh, extremely happy to hear that. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't say that just to get a rise. It's true. Oh, my gosh. I, that's absolutely unbelievable. So, well, I just gave you a subject for your next three shows. I think that, I think that you did. So, um, Jason, just very quickly, uh, what do you think that's going to do to the market today? Well, it's going to be a little bit ugly, at least on the open today, whether it turns into a huge ugly or just kind of a normal 
semi-ugly down day is hard to say, Kim. Uh, you know, predicting is hard, especially when it concerns the future, even when the future is only a few hours into the future. <laughs> well said, Jason McBride. So, hey, we'll talk to you tomorrow, and be sure and check out uh, Nuts and Bolts. That's going to be our great event we're do- doing on September 16th. You can find that at my website or go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, we will talk to you tomorrow. We'll be right back with uh, Stanley Thorne. Bye-bye. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 30th through Thursday, September 5th, features will include Angry Birds 2, The Art of Racing in the Rain, and Scary Stories. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me today, Stanley Charles Thorne. You are a fellow KLZ talk show host, and it's great to have you here. I appreciate being here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, and I love the name of your show. It's Dr. Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show. So are you a doctor? I, uh, that's a tongue-in-cheek jab at what academia has become. I have an earned Juris Doctorate degree, which is a law degree. And uh, so I think, it, I think I can honorably claim to be a doctor, but I'm not a medical doctor okay. or anything of the sort. And I don't have an earned PhD, but uh, it's just one of those things that um, tongue-in-cheek, um, it's like uh, I, I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. I, I, so, it, you know, it's, I totally You just have to get my, my uh, 
my uh, unusual shtick and my sense of humor to get the... Well, I, I like it. And tell us, when can people listen to you, Dr. Thorne? Uh, currently on four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 2 to 3, and Saturday at 3 p.m. Mountain Time from 3 to 4. Rebroadcasts of previously aired live shows are available six nights a week from Monday through Saturday at 11 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay, well, uh, let's jump in here. I'm thrilled to have you and want to talk about something very serious, and that is these red flag laws. Uh, They're called, uh, or Extreme Risk Protection Orders, ERPO. And we've seen in these laws that we've kind of thrown due process out the window. Uh, Tell me what you're concerned about on these. Well, it's almost hard to know where to start, Kim. I um, I don't know if you're aware of it. I've given some of my background and bits and pieces on my show since it started in April. Uh, for most of my professional life, I was an attorney. I am licensed in Texas, not in Colorado. For 25 years, I did nothing except upstream exploration, production, oil and gas law. That's the uh, go find it and produce it end of the spectrum. And I had a life-changing experience in 2000 with a divorce that I did not want but could not stop. And um, as a result of a child custody order, which was manifestly unjust, I was taken out of the lives of my three children for two years, and my parents were not allowed to see them for five years. How old were they at that time, um, Stanley? I, 17, uh, roughly 17, 12, and 7. Wow. Two boys and a girl. They're all grown out of the nest now. We have, I have a good relationship with all of them, but it was a... It, at a difficult time, uh, you know, divorce is hard enough on the the, uh, the adults involved, but uh, it made it extraordinarily, exponentially more difficult on the children. And at a time when you need to have a good relationship with your children as you're recovering from the failed relationship with the spouse, it just made it all the more difficult. But the reason I share that with you and your listeners is because it radically redirected my life into about 10 years of crusading for family law reform. And I litigated constitutional uh, law challenges to various family court statutes all over the country in both state and federal court. And the kind of anger that fueled me cannot be sustained. <laughs> and, and it's also something I laugh about it now, but it's a very destructive way to, to dwell. And uh, because the uh, family court system is such a well-oiled machine and there are, are billions, it's about estimated to be about a $15 billion a year uh, industry. When you uh, say that, does that mean the attorneys that get paid? or what? The money that's changing hands without taking into account court-ordered child support. Okay. But uh, one of the things that's unfortunate about family law, and I don't want to go off too deep into this tangent, but one of the unfortunate realities, family law, constitutional rights in the family law context is simply not taught in law schools anywhere in America. And so there's about 50 U.S. Supreme Court cases on the constitutional rights of fit parents to be free from unwarranted state interference. And so, um, but, but the vast majority of family law attorneys and judges know nothing, little or nothing about that, because in the day-to-day work world of a family law attorney, a constitutional challenge almost never comes up. I share that with you so that you uh, can appreciate the lens through which I'm looking at the 
uh, due process question that you asked me about. Okay, before we do that, before we get to the due process, I'm intrigued. So you said you didn't see your children for a couple of years, and you said you were fueled somewhat by anger. Somewhat. And, 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 and sometimes it, 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 more than somewhat. Yeah, hey, let's just call it a, a deep seething rage okay. at all times. Okay, okay, but you got past it. Uh, yes, I did get past it, and, and fortunately, I think my children have gotten past it. But I have bookshelves lined with books about um, the psychodynamics of family relationships, divorce, child custody, um, just a wealth of information. I've probably got at least two good books in me to write about family law and the kinds of things that we could do. It's like many other things, Kim. We could do so much better for uh, adult relationships in distress and the children that they have if there are minor children involved. If we do like the criminal court system does in some states where they bifurcate the guilt phase of a criminal trial from the punishment phase, if we would bifurcate and completely separate segregate the divorce action from the child custody action, then we would not have the children used as pawns. Um, There are some structural things that we could do in family law, but it is such a deeply entrenched, well-oiled machine that I don't see those kinds of changes being made. What, What always disheartens me is that the pace of divorce has not slacked off in America and because of no-fault divorce. Each and every year, about a million divorces occur that coincidentally affect about a million um, minor children. And the life-changing consequences for those children, which could be moderated some, ameliorated to some extent, perhaps to a large extent, uh, we can do so much better for the children that get tangled up in the failed Mm -hmm. relationship of adult spouses or or Mm live-ins. And so that is something that uh, at some point this country will grow tired of the consequences. There's a great, um, gosh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I I did television work for about three or four years, and uh, a whole bunch of family law reform TV shows that are still on the air in the Minneapolis-St. Paul market. I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, Heritage Foundation fellow that we interviewed that wrote a uh, an incredible piece called The Costly Consequences of Divorce. And this would have been uh, mid-90s, I think, probably. No, no, no. This would have been around 2004, 2005. And I'll, I'll get his name so that uh, if you ever want to visit that issue. But it's, you know how the Heritage Foundation uh, white papers are. They are incredibly well done and, mm-hmm. and well-researched and well-annotated. And uh, we interviewed him, and I could have gone on for hours uh, digging into his frame of reference mm-hmm. about what uh, – not just the financial price that people pay, uh, which, you know, largely can be recovered from, uh, but it's the emotional cost that mm-hmm. people pay that uh, how can you put a price tag on a child that doesn't get to see, uh, you know, it um, it so fundamentally changes parent-child relationships in a way that if we started with a legal presumption that uh, – the children are going to have equal access to both parents and then let the parents negotiate as equals from there. I think we would do so much better by agreement because then both parents have skin in the game. Uh, One minute aside, um, one of the best cases that I thought I was going to get a constitutional, uh, a ruling for a presumption of equal shared parenting on constitutional equal protection grounds was a Tennessee case in which both parents were attorneys. 
they were both highly qualified, very intelligent. One little girl is the only child involved. Uh, we battled that case lasted about three years, fully briefed on constitutional grounds and so forth. And in the end, the judge did what I expected he would do, which is because we had put on such a good case that the father was a very competent parent. Uh, he entered a judgment for equal shared parenting with neither parent paying child support uh, on the basis of the facts. And so he avoided the need to rule on a constitutional basis, which is a totally legitimate judicial function. If you can reach a constitutionally compliant result based on the facts, then you can avoid using the constitutional ground as the basis for the ruling. And he did that. But uh, it was a it was a real disappointment because the Sixth Circuit includes the great state of Tennessee and the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, which is a federal court, not a state court, had uh, issued some very encouraging rulings that indicated that they were open to that equal rights argument. And I was actually appointed uh, to represent an indigent parent in a uh, Sixth Circuit case um, as that parent's attorney to argue, to brief and argue that case. And um, so it was a missed opportunity. I'm sitting here smiling, thinking about all the time, energy, and, yeah. and the effort that went into that case. But uh, I didn't, don't mean to uh, divert us from equal uh, emergency res- uh, extreme risk protection orders, but I just um, I want people to understand that I have a profound respect for the Constitution of the United States because as a history major, as an undergrad, I can look at other governmental systems and see how vastly superior (laughs) what has been crafted by the Founding Fathers is and why we are so eminently successful because it all starts with individual liberty. And uh, so as we as we look at the due process question about um, extreme risk protection orders, I come to that issue with a uh, Oh, I don't know how to put it really, Kim, a sense of revulsion about the framework of that statute. It's just a disgusting piece of legislation from a constitutional perspective. Well, and uh, I'm not a uh, an attorney or a constitutional professor, but I, too, stayed at a, a Holiday Inn Express, so I think that I know what I'm talking about. And, and well, actually, that, that wasn't by way of one-upmanship. It's just that I have a great love for the framework of our government, agreed. and I have felt the boot of state interference on my neck in my parent-child relationships, and so I can well imagine what the effect is going to be when these uh, when this goes into effect in January of 2020. Well, the important thing, Stanley, is I used to think that reading legislation was above my pay grade. But within the last couple of years, I've done some voters guides uh, for each of the elections on issues. I try to stay over on the issues, try not to get, you know, snarky on on uh, politicians, although I, I am a little snarky right now regarding Governor Polis on this executive order. Uh, that he says that Colorado is going to be 100% renewable energy by 2040. And then he's put 24 people on the Air Quality Control Council. That seems more like a monarchy than uh, what we're supposed to be having here in a constitutional republic. So I am referring to him as King Polis right now. Interesting. I I will echo that sentiment. Uh, And we should have a sidebar discussion about whether emperor or king is the better uh, moniker for him, but one way or the other, the uh, he's certainly not the divine right of kings in this case, is it? Well, right now, if the moniker fits, wear it. Yes, so, yes. It, this is Kim Munson. We're going to go to break. Thrilled to have in studio with me uh, Dr. 
uh, Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show star. That is Stanley Charles Thorne. We'll be right back. <laughs> Everybody stumbles over that. <laughs> Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation, and I'm thrilled to have in studio with me Stanley Charles Thorne, a fellow KLZ uh, radio talk show host. It's great to have you here. I'm just thrilled to be here, Kim. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm going to – it's such a, a great show. I love the show name. It's Dr. Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show. So you kind of never know what you're going to gonna get with that. No, huh? you just – it's serendipity. I say – I've said at the beginning, and I ought to do a, a show promo, it's serendipity is a wonderful thing. You just – don't know what you're going to get whenever you tune in each day. I love it. And when can people listen to you? Monday, Tuesday, and Friday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Mountain Time, Saturday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Mountain Time, and rebroadcasts six nights a week from at 11 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday. Okay, Mountain, uh, so 11 to midnight. So let's jump into red flag laws. Uh, You know, there's a lot of emotion around... You know, school shootings, uh, you you know, people want to keep their kids safe. And uh, so in Colorado, we just passed a red flag law, and it was signed by the governor. Uh, But I actually read it. uh, And as I was reading this, I'm seeing big danger uh, that, in fact, that uh, government could come in and take people's stuff. In this case, it would be firearms. Uh, the person's home, they might not even be home. They wouldn't know that the police officers came in or the law enforcement came in. Uh, the law enforcement takes their things, and, and and you don't even know you've been accused of anything. That is so antithetical to the American idea. Well, the, the lack of notice is something that uh, proponents of the red flag bill in Colorado will say if there are what are known as exigent circumstances. If someone is ranting and raving that he's going to go shoot up the closest school, uh, there, there is something to be said for what, what are known as ex parte hearings, hearings without notice. But in the general context, unless there are those exigent circumstances, which is why they entitled the bill Extreme Risk, 
in reference to protection orders. That was a nod toward excusing the ex parte nature of these hearings without notice. But it is inexcusable in part because there is no standard within the statute itself to define what exigent circumstances are. Uh, one of the one of the grounds for unconstitutionality, which is not often seen, but it is seen when it's appropriate, is statutes that are, are uh, unconstitutional for vagueness. And and the very thing that you hit on is one of the most uh, gut level things that everyone should be incredibly concerned about a government. Um, entitlement to confiscate property without notice and to do so without compensation on the testimony or the uh, complaint or claims of a single uncorroborated witness. That's a very, very dangerous precedent to set. It's a very, very dangerous precedent to, to set. With this, you know, I, I have a, I have a number of women's groups we get together, and uh, we're going to be talking about the messaging what what can we say to people you know that that um that mom out there that isn't familiar with firearms she wants to keep her kids safe she wants to keep them away from the bad guys this law you know is sold as we're going to be protecting the kids because we're taking the weapons away from bad guys and so a lot of moms are going well i think that's a good idea what would you say to them I think my response would be to say uh, there is a right way and a wrong way to do what this bill uh, claims to do. Purports it's doing. Purports to do. Excellent uh, legal word there. The, The reality is this bill is about gun control and gun confiscation. And the thing that is most offensive to me when you analyze the bill if this was really about someone who was a an imminent threat of harm to himself or others, you would be taking the person into custody, not the guns. Bingo. And the reality is, uh, if they had any care or concern for the mental health issues purportedly in play, they would be going to take in take the person into custody for evaluation. And I have a son who had some experience in in England in London, which led him to some familiarity with some things that they do when people need to have mental health evaluation. They take those people into custody for a short period of time. They are promptly assessed, and then they are categorized in terms of a threat and whether or not they need intensive support, uh, pharmacological intervention, whatever. So they go into one of several different categories, and then that determines how long they can be held against their will. And if they are a moderate risk, then maybe two or three days. If they're a severe risk to themselves and others, then they can be held for a longer period of time. But that is something that is uh, consonant with due process because it directly correlates to the threat that the person is to themselves and others. And so when when I, I guess the best way I could say to the mom who thinks this is a good idea, we need the right kind of legislation uh, this red flag bill is not it. This is like trying to do brain surgery with a Phillips screwdriver, a vice grip clamp, and a, a ball peen hammer. So where we should be in the law extraordinarily precise and focused and have a statute crafted to accomplish with uh, proper consideration for due process, this does nothing of the sort. This is an abomination. And on that, uh, if you're doing brain surgery with a screwdriver and a vice grip and all, uh, ultimately the patient would die. 
Well, you're going to do a lot of damage if you don't kill the patient. Yeah. And and one of the things that law enforcement, I was privileged to interview uh, Weld County Steve, Steve Reams in connection with this bill and expect to uh, interview him again. Uh, and he's a great, I'm sure you're acquainted with him if you haven't interviewed him yourself. Uh, he's very articulate. And for uh, someone who has uh, exercised his sworn duty for many, many years to uphold and defend the Constitution, the courage that it took for him to be one of the first of Colorado's law enforcement officials to say, I will not enforce this because of its unconstitutionality, uh, he should be applauded by anyone and everyone who wants to preserve the rule of law in this state. Because there's a way we could do what needs to be done. This is just clumsy, and it's going to get people hurt or killed. The uh, the idea that there can be a no-knock warrant served on someone who doesn't know they're coming, who might truly have mental health issues, who's uh, equipped with a firearm, one or more. Uh, that, it puts that's, law enforcement in significant risk. Oh, it puts every frontline officer that has to go serve one of these, which is why I don't fault Steve Reams for saying he will not uh, he will not be a party to these actions. If someone wants to go to the court without uh, his participation of his agency, my understanding is that they're, they're free to do that because the statute provides for that person the civilian remedy. What's bothersome to me is um, the individual that makes such a report, the statute requires that they report it to law enforcement. And um, so this is an effort for the state to let a, an individual civilian be the animating force behind the start of this. And then the state takes over and it becomes a state action the minute uh, the police power is utilized like it would be if somebody called the sheriff's department and said, you know, so-and-so is threatening, you know, violence. The other thing I want to mention just real quickly one of the other things that makes this statute so offensive in terms of due process is there's no attempt to define what uh, is worthy of response. Uh, and I'm feeling clumsy about how I'm describing that. There are statutes in most states where people that make threats against others, uh, in general terms, it can be called a terroristic threat. Most of those statutes have very specific uh, definitions of what constitutes such a threat, and the threat has to be uh, one that could be immediately exercised that causes imminent peril of serious bodily injury or death to another person or to the person making the threat. So uh, my brother was career federal law enforcement, and he, he took a bullet in a bulletproof vest one time interfering with a suicide attempt. And so if somebody's saying, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to kill myself, if if uh, the typical terroristic threat, which would be a third party, you know, some a threat to some third party, whether it's a suicide or a threat against a third party, most of those uh, statutes for which the conduct would rise to criminality and they could be arrested, they have very specific guidelines on what constitutes such a threat. Mm -hmm. This statute, you know, I could I could go in and swear out the affidavit and say. Uh, Kim said she she just wanted to kill one of her kids. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're talking about, you know, they uh, ran out of gas and you had to get up at 3 right. in the morning. And so, you know, so, so just the cast off inappropriate term of a phrase could be a ground for which that would put this whole machinery into motion. Yeah. And so, there, again, it's vague. There are no standards about what constitutes a threat that triggers 
the operation of this and, particular red flag bill. And my understanding is that the term is preponderance, that there might be some kind of uh, something going on, and that doesn't require much proof. And let's think about it, Stanley. You have somebody gets in front of a judge, says, I think that so-and-so is crazy and, you know, you need to, to uh, take their firearms. What judge in this day and age is going to say, well, oh, no, I, you know, you need to give me more information. Many times they're going to say, I don't want something to happen under my watch. And so they just pass it right on down the down the. I, I cannot street. imagine the moral fiber and the intestinal fortitude that it would require of a judge to say no to one of these applications. Um, it's a sad day in America when... Uh, the uncorroborated complaint of a single witness. I mean, even the mm-hmm. Bible says um, uh, everything shall be established by two or more witnesses. Exactly. And so there are fundamental aspects of this that are just inexcusable and so wrong. Uh, and when it puts law enforcement personnel in peril, um, this is something that there ought to be an outcry, whether you are a gun owner or believe in the individual right to keep and bear arms or not. This is a due process atrocity that we should undo in January before it takes effect. Totally agree with you on that. Uh, Stanley Charles Thorne, you are the host of Dr. Thorne's Traveling Emporium and Medicine Show, which is right here on KLZ 560. It has been just great to have you in studio. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. We need to do this more often. Let's do it more often. And you have a standing invitation to come on, to sit in on my show anytime you're here. Okay. It's a deal. Okay. Thanks so much. And our quote for today is from Charlton Heston, where he says, There's no such thing as a good gun. There's no such thing as a bad gun. A gun in the hands of a bad man is a very dangerous thing. A gun in the hands of a good person is no danger to anyone except the bad guys. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.